Welcome to Counterintelligence. This is Eric LeVay. Today's guest is Seth Atena, investigative reporter and author of Trump Russia, A Definitive History. Forensic News thanks our newest Patreons, Andre D., Angela J., Kelsey H., and as always, Craig P. and Jim R. Support Forensic News and Counterintelligence on Patreon. Without further ado, here's the show. Seth Atena, welcome to Counterintelligence. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Hey, Seth, it's great to talk to you. Uh, so you're an investigative reporter, and of course, you're the author of Trump Russia Definitive History. Uh, I know you and I had a little bit of a laugh over this earlier, but of course, what I was saying was um, in a conspiracy or I don't know if that's the right word, but in a in a story that's ongoing, uh, was it is it kind of funny to call your book a definitive history when this just keeps going? It is. It is. And I'm surprised that, it. you know, I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I even I'm surprised just how deep it keeps going. Um, and, you know, the dirty secret of publishing is that, you know, authors don't get much of a say in their titles. So uh, but it is what it is. So that, that's good to know. I mean, as a, I'm not a I'm not a journalist by trade. So that's that's actually interesting. So you write the book, but the the, the title is more chosen by a, a publisher or some or someone else. Well, let's say strongly suggested <laughs> that you do it a certain way. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, I mean, I think they wanted a title that was as, as clear as you can make it, that this is, that this is exactly what this book is about. There's no, uh, you're not going to get something else if you were buying a book that's called Trump Russia, you know, how many volumes theoretically do you think that you could write? I mean, in this story, it just, I mean, it just keeps going, doesn't it? it it's, it's endless. Uh, yeah. And I, and I, and I think, you know, what I've seen is it just comes in waves that there'll be a period of, uh, 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 you know, a huge flurry of news and nothing, and then it comes again. And um, I think, you know, and if if Trump's a, you know, who knows? But if he's a second-term president, there's even more that may come. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I you could write, you could easily write three or four volumes of this. Seth, um, it, when you when you wrote your book, I mean, were you the first one to? There's been a lot of great books about this topic. Where was yours in the timeline? Mine came out in May of 2018, mm. and we rushed it to get it out as quickly as possible uh, so that we would be the first uh, to kind of stake out the territory. Mm. And so, so you know, we, we you know, when I started, I got interested in this topic when people were still laughing about it and thought it was, you know, there was nothing to it. Uh, obviously, it's a lot more serious now, but it wasn't when I started. And, um, you know, we, we wanted to we knew we knew there was something there and there would be more to it. And so we just, you know, we got it out as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I want to, when I, when I knew I was going to inter- interview you, I always like to, as opposed to a lot of other shows, I like to start with the, like, you know how like rock bands, like they wait till the end to play their hit. I think it's important to just do that at the beginning. <laughs> like I, yeah, yeah, like I think they should do that. And I also think in interviews. So I want to ask you of all people, the big picture question, which is in your professional opinion, what is Donald Trump's true relationship with Vladimir Putin? Uh, I think that, you know, I think that there's, you know, I think there's something to the compromise story. You know, I don't know if it's a film in a Moscow hotel room. I think Vladimir Putin has something on Donald Trump. And I think that explains so much of his behavior and so much of what we've seen. It may be financial. It may be sexual. It may be many different things. Mm. Uh, but but I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I believe the story that, that Putin has Trump over a barrel. Do you? Yeah, well, uh, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. Do you think there's any? You think it's more likely to be business or a more uh, the salacious thing that would be this? You know, the what do you think? Uh, it's tough. I mean, he, you know, he's kind of, you know, there, there, there are all these tantalizing things that he viewed Russia as this kind of sexual playground uh, when he went there over the years. 
uh, you know, sometimes when he wasn't married and sometimes when he was. And, and um, so there, there's very strong possibility that it's sexual. However, you know, the, this guy was, you know, Trump is basically, a, you know, for all intents and purposes, a money launderer. So it's not hard <laughs> to gain fi- compromising financial information on this guy. Uh, and so it could be a combination. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I want to just as a segue, you know, I kind of like how with the, with interviews, you really never know kind of what you're going to get. And I, um, I like how you kind of call you just kind of called that, like you called him a money launder. And, you know, I, I approach this as an, I'm an entertainer who works with, you know, journalists. So I'm a little I have a little bit of a different background, but I, I've noticed um, I mean, you're a pro. You've worked for AP and, you know, you've written for The New York Times, but you're not afraid to kind of just call it out. I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, why is that, why is that unusual in the world of journalism? People seem so afraid to just call the guy what he is. That, that's a great question. Uh, you, you know, Trump's not afraid to call, call what he sees. Um, <laughs> but journalists have been very, has, you know, there's this debate still going on in the journalism community about whether to say he's a liar or not. And I just, uh, you know, I, I think I'm, I have a, I have a position that most journalists don't have. Mm-hmm where I'm not working for a news organization that imposes its own kind of standards on me. So I'm more of a free agent and I have more freedom and I feel like I'm speaking for journalists who don't have that freedom. So I feel like it's incumbent on me to kind of, to just say it, you know, to say what, what everybody else is wants to say, but can't. So Seth, you're saying that, uh, let's say hypothetically, I don't know, I'm just spitballing. It's let's say a big national paper. They, they don't have the freedom to just kind of call a fact like that a fact. Uh, well, there, there are debates you know, within the journalism community right now. Like if you say if you, you know, Donald Trump doesn't tell the truth. We all know that. Right. Uh, but if every time he does that, you, you say Donald Trump lied today. The, the danger, I think, from the editor's view is that you will look like you are, you know, you are just uh, playing pot. You know, you are out to get this guy right. and you have an agenda. So I think that because his behavior is so extreme and so exaggerated, if you call it every time. It, it just looks, it makes you look, it makes you look, it puts you in a bad position. Mm. If you say that Donald Trump lied today and said this, after you do that 10,000 times, which is what, you know, the numbers are, you would look like you have an agenda. So I think that's, that's, you know, the danger of, of, of you know, uh, being, in, being at a newsroom where you have to kind of balance these things. And, mm. it, you know, I, I know they're also concerned about where they're, you know, New York Times is concerned about where its reporters appear and what. Mm. So, and I, when I was at AP, they were, you know, they, they, they were very careful about what I could say and what couldn't say. So I don't have those restrictions. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a free. That's very interesting to know. Uh, I mean, I, and I know here at, um, you know, at, at Forensic News, I mean, I'm not going to speak for the, uh, the other, the reporters and the other staff, but I know that everybody, we're entirely Patreon funded, so I, I think that everybody has the belief that no, no one in forensic news is hides their really the political beliefs, and I don't, I haven't, and it doesn't affect the reporting. It's just, every, I think it's an okay way to carry yourself. I don't think it, um, you know, I don't think the reporting suffers. I, I have a lot of admiration for the straight newsman or newswoman that that model, but I also think right. it's okay to occasionally, uh, you know, even Walter Cronkite called it like he saw it at least a few times. Right, um, right. Um, right. But if you represent an organization of, yeah. with thousands of people in it and one there's one person doing something, you know, that, that can be called out that reflects mm. the entire organization, mm. you know. Yeah. So that that's the flip side of it. I guess it's like when you have any boss, you know, exactly. If 
if someone else is cutting your check, you don't have the power that you, <laughs> that's what I, <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of what you were saying, uh, it, there was a story recently about the, so we did find out that I guess the New York times, uh, limits, uh, I know they mentioned not being able to go on Rachel Maddow. I mean, what were you, what were your thoughts about that? Uh, um, you know, I, I think Trump, uh, you know, Trump's behavior, like Trump is just so unusual and his behavior puts, is literally putting pressure on journal. I mean, he, mm-hmm. this guy has gone to war with the press. I mean, he did, this is a guy who declares the press, the enemy of the people, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, you can't, you know, it's, you can't say a more outrageous thing. Mm-hmm. And so he is, he is putting the press in a box where right. it's, you know, he's, whatever he's failing in in his foreign policy his domestic policy is going nowhere he's got no legislation <laughs> but you know he can he can make war with the press and that's always going to you know win points with the base and that's what he's done you know and and so it puts journalists in a really awkward position where they're trying to be the straight man to uh you know to this comedian who is you know going off the rails here yeah. And like you said, look, I mean, I get it. You're in a very tough spot. And I look, I'm a person who's had a lot of jobs. So I get it when, especially in something like journalism, where it's so hard to get a job and so many jobs are, are hemorrhaging uh, because of all these other things that are going on. I can see how that would really put, you know, it puts fear in you. Hey, we're everybody, you got a family, you got mouths to feed. Uh, yeah. But so, but then the other side of me just, in, in my world as an entertainer, like, you know, you get a heckler as a comedian, you take them down. That's just it. Right. And, right. and I, I look at it from a human perspective and I'm like, like just, just speaking, let's say for about the white house, uh, the press corps, like, you know, someone insults me to my face. I mean, it, it's not going to end well. And, and for right. them, uh, right. I'm like, I'm like, wow. Like, how can you just stand there and take that? Right. Uh, but, well, yeah, you know, I, I, this is Trump's, this is the unique to Trump, <laughs> this, this, uh, you know, this, this making war on the, pro, you know, I mean, he's so destructive in so many ways, but that mm-hmm. is, that is one of the big ones that he's undermining freedom of the, you know, the, the free press and, a, and it, it goes deeper. It's that he, this is a guy who is, is, is manufacturing his own truth. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to take out who's in his way, who, who tells a different story, whether that's the FBI or the CIA or the press or mm-hmm. people in his own administration or whoever they're getting out. They're going to they're they're getting out of the way, you know, as long as this guy's in the White House. So that's the you know, that's the situation we're in right now. Seth, can you take us through uh, like maybe like the genesis when you decided you were going to write Trump Russia to yeah. from beginning to publishing date? Definitely. So. You know, I started, you know, first of all, I, I grew up in New York, so I, I knew Donald Trump uh, from a very young age. I'm so and, sorry. I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, but, he, but they would, you know, he was always this, it wasn't a big deal because he was this cartoonish character. He was this tabloid creature, this kind of big mouth, loud mouth guy who would kind of jump in. And, and he's not the only person in New York who does this. There are, there are people who, you know, just jump into every uh, controversy and, you know, get in front of it in one way or the other. Um, but that was Donald Trump. And so I knew him, you know, I, I, I in, my, in the book, I relate this, that I, I was in Trump Tower when it opened my, you know, and, it, you know, it is, it was impressive. It is impressive what he mm. built there. And when I was following the campaign, you know, these things started p- popping up about Russia and I was just couldn't square it in my head mm. how the Donald Trump I knew from New York was somehow connected to Russia. And, uh, you know, so I followed that 
more and more closely. And just to understand that for myself, I started writing a, a, a website, just started a website, uh, just TrumpRussia.com, Trump-Russia.com, and just started writing and uh, trying to explain it and going back and looking at his business deals and all these mobsters who would show up in Trump Tower and, you know, all his uh, shoddy deals with Russians and Russians buying his mansions in Florida for overinflated prices and, and so on and so forth. And um, I really didn't, I was just, honestly, I, I mean this, I, I was writing it for myself sure. uh, and didn't know how many, didn't really care how many people were following it. But one day uh, a book agent contacted me and said, you know, have you thought about turning this into a book? And so that's how it got started. And, you know, we pitched it and uh, eventually a publisher picked it up and we were off and running. Wow. You know, so really what you're saying is, is that you, you started doing it. It was for you. It wasn't, it wasn't even, I mean, it was, it was a, it was the best reason to do anything because you want, you were curious about what was going on. Uh, Yeah. I, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't, wasn't selling ads. I wasn't uh, (laughs) hawking something. I was just trying to understand it. And the way I do that is just by writing and that's kind of my nature. And, and so that's, yeah, it all kind of came together from there. And I mean, big picture, what did, what is your book about? I mean, what did you come away? What does the reader come away from it? If they were to sum, if you were to sum it up in like one or two sentences, as hard as that is. Um. So, you know, the, the, there are a couple of things to understand that the, the, what happened in the 2016 election was not a one-off event mm-hmm. that Donald Trump has a relationship with Russia that goes back decades. And more importantly, he's been chasing Russian criminal money for decades. Uh, and that was kind of a, one of the pillars of his business when he started to fail in, in the 1990s. And, uh, he has, um, continued that that relationship has matured over time. You know, he graduated, I guess you could say graduated from his dealings with the, uh, Italian American mafia in the United States to the Russian. And I, I, you know, I thought that was a message that needed to get out. This is a deeply compromised man. Um, and, and that, you know, there's a history to his relationship with Russia. It's the only thing he ever graduated from, by the way, I'm still, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Always, <laughs> always got to get in those one-liners, but no, it's, it's I, that whole, I just wonder, do you know of any reporters who are tracking his transcript story? Did anyone ever get on that? Uh, uh like, the, 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 when just, he, uh, when he had Michael Cohen, yeah, yell like, at Fordham Law or Fordham, yeah. Or just in general, like I, I'm not even trying to pile on the guy. I just, what what I see in front of me, I don't understand how this person was able to pass, you know, to graduate. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, somebody, somebody probably, you know, there, that's the thing with Trump. It's like a, uh, it's like an amusement park for journalists. There's just so much, uh, there and you just, you can, you can spend forever in one ride and that'll be, That'll be a career for for most people, but he's got so much going on that it's almost impossible to keep up with it all. An amusement park for journalists. I really that's good. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we we learned from the New York Times that that amazing story that exposed his kind of finances. That basically he inherited four hundred, five hundred million, or something like that over a lifetime. And then when that was gone, is that when the the Russian money started to come in? Along, in your opinion. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, there's this, there's this time frame. and the Washington Post did a really good take on this too, that it, sometime in the mid two thousands, 
you know, this he, he called himself the King of Debt, right? That was mm. his own kind of self branding, and and then all of a sudden he started he switched to cash, mm. uh, and that that to me is is not explained by his business. Uh, you know, he, he says he had he, he had enough cash flow to, to maintain that. I don't believe that. I, right. I think that there was money coming in from external sources, and I think that's when Russia took a big stake in his business. Yeah. Yeah. How like big picture. What, what I don't understand, what a lot of people don't, is the, the crime involving this, even just one person, him, is, is it's like off the charts. What, do you have any insight into why there was no accountability? Why all these years? Uh, yeah. yeah. What do you That's think? That's a great question. It's, and I get asked that all the time. Really? Yeah. You know, and this goes back along. This was a guy who, you know, they were grand juries. This is even before. This is the 1980s when he's, you know, just getting started in business. Hmm. There were multiple grand juries in New York sniffing around him, you know, but he would refuse to come. He refused to testify. He had Roy, he had Roy Cohen, the infamous mob lawyers, as his personal attorney then. Hmm. And he would just, he would stonewall and refuse to cooperate and refuse to talk. And he was—he's very good at getting out of situations. Like he is—he is walking, you know, over the line, tiptoeing over the line repeatedly, and doesn't—you know—never learns. Just just goes over to the next line and tipped over <laughs> that, right. and, and just and just just kind of mows down, uh, you know, anybody who gets in his way. He has lawyers like you know Michael Cohen, mm. you know, not a very good lawyer, but he's he's better <laughs> lawyers who are um, who <laughs> are who are who are massaging the finances and the <laughs> corporate structures and the documents to make sure that it's just on the gray area of legality, you know, mm. and that, that's that's how he operates, and, and he's kind of he's always been in the gray areas, and that's he's a hard guy to pin down. Um, and and if you and you know if you're coming after him, he's coming after you. So, you know that combination has made it made yeah has let him get away with murder for a long time. It's it's hard to reconcile. Like you know not to, I mean what I relate that to is what's going on now. I see the same thing. Like and again I'm not trying to jump off on a tangent, but I, I see the the Democrats and what they're doing and and not just them and just it's. It's I go I don't understand why Nolan is able to stand up to this man. It's not like it just seems like it's a recurring thing. Like they, they didn't the law enforcement didn't stand up to him in the eighties, and now we're living this again. I mean, what is it about this one person that's able to get away with this? You know, it's almost worth a book in itself. You know, when I talked there, there, there. You know, when I went back and talked, what I did is I went back and talked to the FBI agents who uh -huh. kind of came across him in the nineteen eighties. And, you know, so there are circumstances that 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 let him get away. So let, let me lay it out for you. Sure. W one was um, when he started dealing with the Russian mafia, the focus was not on, the focus was on the Russian mafia. So so his name is popping up in, in deals with the with the Russian mob kind of peripherally. But th the FBI and prosecutors are so focused on getting these gangsters mm. that that he he is kind of, uh, you know, set aside. And there's, there's a guy in my book who says something like, uh, uh, you know, I, we should have been looking in the, we were looking in the, we were looking in one direction. We should have been looking in the other. Mm. The second thing is, is that real estate, uh, you know, if you, if you operate a bank, you have to deal with the, you know, with the federal reserve. If you, uh, you run a company, you have to deal with, uh, state regulators. If you are a public company, you have the sec. So there are all these people looking at all these different businesses Except for real estate. And mm. for years, that was kind of this um, no man's land. Mm. 
that you know that there was no that it was kind of a free for all. You set up a shell company, and you can buy millions of dollars worth of real estate really easily in this country. And there was there was no way to stop it. And so mm. you know Trump saw that as a business. You know, other people see that as a danger sign. He sees it as an opportunity. And mm. and you know he's following these. He's he's following the money. You know, he's following the dirty money. It's like it's funny because I think about like like for example like Semyon Milogovic or however you say it the the boss yeah. of bosses like I get why that guy's a criminal mastermind because that guy's really smart and that's right. like I I'm almost like insulted that the United States of America is <laughs> that like you can't t- like if we had a guy like Mogilevich and he was president I'd be like well I get that because this guy was smart and ruthless but I don't know I just I don't get the whole Trump thing but maybe at this point I'm just talking to myself I you know like I. You've you've laid out very well how he he is able to skirt the rules and um. right right and and you know he you know there there there's 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 part we're missing pieces of the puzzle mm. here right so hmm. to go back to your original question like you know how many volumes of this book will there be I mean you know we we don't have all the pieces you know why he decided to run and the communications you know you know the Mueller report said you mm. know as it didn't say no collusion. It said they didn't find evidence of it. And, right. you know, Trump is a guy who is anybody who's going to talk about him. This is person is going to get crucified. So, you know, I, I don't think it's it's too far fetched to think that people, you know, didn't tell the full truth or yeah. stayed away or didn't, you know, didn't talk to Mueller or stayed and stayed out of the country or, or whatever. And we still don't know, you know, what was going on. And I, so. Yeah, we're all puzzled by it, but but I think you know, you know, in the end, it's gonna it will come out, and my book will be seven volumes long by then. Man, but you know, you, we will know the story. Well, Seth Hadna, I want to thank you so much for coming on Counterintelligence, and uh, guys, if you want to check out the book, it's Trump Russia: A Definitive History, pending Seth's ten other volumes that will be coming out. Um, <laughs> Seth, thank you so so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoy what you do. And yeah, thanks for taking the time. I, I hope when you get that, uh, let us, you know, if you want to come back on when you have your next scoop, uh, even just for a quick uh, hit, that would be amazing. That'd be great. I'd, I'd be happy to do it. Okay, great. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Follow Forensic News on Twitter at Forensic Newsnet. Counterintelligence is at IntelPod. My personal account is Eric LeBay. Support Forensic News on Patreon. Sponsors can contact CounterPod at ProtonMail.com. Subscribe to Counterintelligence everywhere you listen to podcasts. Take care.